Hello, hello. My name is Nicholas, host of Polar Bliss, elevating the voice of the unique, showing that no one is ordinary. We are each our own world. And let's delve into more. Today's world that we will be introduced to is my friend Joe Kennedy. He is an author, he is prolific with digital media, and he has got a lot to share. Get ready, get excited, and thank you for listening. <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe I do. What it do, what it do. All right, Joe. All right. Thanks for being here. Hey. Doing this with me. My pleasure. I mean, it's your house, but thank you. Hey, you know what? Because cost, as they say, right? <laughs> Uh, so cliche. Let's get into it. All right. Formative years. How would you define your formative years? Mm, fucked up. Um, no. What, uh, what ages? I would say probably things started going downhill. Probably about like fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, and the bottom line is, is that I just don't, I, I to a certain extent, I liked school. And at the same time, I didn't. I'm sure most kids, most kids, there were subjects I liked and subjects I didn't like. But at the same time, you know, I, I was part of the generation that, you know, I got spanked by the principal, you know. Um, so, um, again, that's when, you know, you can lay hands on kids and stuff. What decade is this? I'm going to say that this is probably late 80s. Oof. Yeah. Um, and the principal did have a paddleboard, you know, that was on the wall and shit, you know, typical... Um, and this was public Pomona Unified, you know, school district in LA, LA County. Um, you know, I, I was part of the generation two, I got spayed. We'd go, if I got in trouble, we'd go home and my brother and me go run upstairs and probably put on like six, seven, eight pairs of underwear. So when we got spanked, it wouldn't hurt that bad. Oh my God. Because we knew what was coming. Oh geez. You know, and I was the tail end of the, where my grandma would be like, you know, go grab a, a, a switch or a stick off the tree, come and whoop your ass with it. You know what I mean? You know, but, and that never really, you know, necessarily happened. But I mean, stories that I've heard too is like, that goes back, you know, that goes back. So like, you know, wasn't, that wasn't so far fetched in a sense, but at the same time, getting a spanking wasn't far fetched at all. You know, that was kind of part of the whole thing. But then it was a whole different time then too, you know. What were you getting spanked for? Oh God! Uh, talking? Well, it could have been. Uh, no, not necessarily for talking. I think I, at one point we didn't come home at one time or something. You know, we were able to just be let loose after you did your homework or you came home and you just got on your bike and you were out. You know, and you were just like, you know, no parents. You know, and and, and you know that's you know we eat lawn darts and shit. You know, <laughs> I mean this was like you know where you know. It, we would just get a few dollars and we would take the bus here or there and then end up in the Montclair Mall and, you know, you know, looking around or, or when I was a kid going down and catching pollywogs or frogs down at the creek and, you know, going into areas where it's like, you know, probably private property, you're not supposed to be there. But, you know, that's what you did, you know, you went out and experienced this stuff. And that goes back to kids nowadays just not getting enough of that type of time where they can develop leadership skills um, consequent, like dealing with scenarios that happen that they have to actually like critically think about and stuff. And they just, they, they, you know, you have to deal with it. Like, oh God, you know, like, and I use the one example for me, you know, when 
my friend and the whole situation with riding bikes and we'd go, we'd get off our bikes, we'd hop over this fence, we'd go down, you know, do to do down into the creek and we're catching pollock and stuff and you know, that's when Michael sprained his ankle or what have you. And we're like, what do you do? You know, and so you're, you're thinking, you know, you each have them part of it on our shoulders and you're, you're walking together and we get to the fence. We got to help them up over the fence. And then we're up on the other side of the fence. And it's like, someone's got to grab a bike and hold the bike and everything. The other person has to put them on the back. You know I mean? These are things that you, you made the, it's almost like being, you know, in the shit, you know, you, you have to think on the fly. You got to come up with these things. And when you're doing it with just your friends. You know, that's a private little grown-up kind of time. That's a time where you had to, you know, you know, put your big boy pants on and like, you know, and make decisions and like decide what you're going to do, like how you're going to do it. And I think that's what, you know, makes, you know, uh, people who are good thinkers or problem solvers are just generally all around overall rounded, well-rounded, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not lacking in different places because their parents never let them out. Or, you know, they're always like every little time you got hurt, they were all like, you know, pampering you up, like, you know, you know what I mean? And just not letting you deal with it or what have you. And it's just like those types of situations I help which to develop and give character to an individual. And, you know, I even am victim of not letting my kids literally like like walk two blocks to school and shit, you know, yeah. not thinking that they're either going to get hit by a car or like they're going to get picked up. But fuck, we were able to go and take bikes and shit and like go to different malls or, or you know, I mean, go across intersections and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck? But you had more common sense. You had more of this ability to be like, oh, yeah, I know what the consequences are. I know I need to look for I need to do these things. And. I think a lot of kids nowadays, they're lacking that. That's not even on their radar. In fact, imagine, you know, they just, your imagination has been replaced. You don't have to work as hard to immerse yourself in a make-believe anything. You just get up and open your phone. That's right. And then you don't have, to be, don't have to be in reality anymore. You got it. It's artificially right there for you. But it's like, you know what? That's a rock. Well, when I was a kid, I looked at that. That might be the Millennium Falcon. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. It could be anything I want it to be. Because you can do that. Yeah. Amazingly. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like you didn't have to have something to keep you occupied. It's kind of fighting for it. just go outside. I'm worrying too. It's like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're getting to the age where they can get their license. They don't even want to fucking leave the house. They're like, no, I, I, I could not wait. To get a license. I snuck out and took my mom's car out and shit was practicing driving all kinds of shit. I wanted to get, when I got my license, I wanted to get the fuck out. I wanted to just drive and do some stuff. But not nowadays. I we are literally give our, gave our daughter two different cars. She didn't she didn't take them. She didn't want to get a license. She did not want to drive. In a lit? Out here, yeah. Yes. You know why? She didn't need to. When everything's at your fingertips, why the fuck do you need to go anywhere? Yeah. Like you're being free, you can be in your room and be free because of what you can reach out and touch and see and do mm. over a phone, a tablet, or a laptop. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like your world is not that small. And that, that, that right there scaled down is no different than the world today. The world is not as big as it used to be. Now you take a shit and it, even if it's in your yard, everyone else's yard around the world fucking smells and doesn't want nothing to do with it. Back then you take a shit and like... <laughs> No one would ever know. No one would ever know. Because that was the distance. It didn't take a year to go across the United States of America or the other side or whatever. Right now, it takes seconds. With phone calls and video calls, it takes merely hours to fly 
That's how small the world is now. And with that being said, it's not about everyone who's first and does whatever they want to do. And then all the other fucking countries come along and do it because they can. Just because the United States goes through and fucks up and pollutes and does all this bullshit and realizes it in hindsight and says, oh shit, we made a mistake. We shouldn't be doing that. But then other countries are finally getting to the point where it's like, haha, it's our turn. We're going to drop our drawers and we're going to take shits now because we can. And the United States is like, whoa, 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 guys, whoa, China, whoo, slow down. Mm-hmm. We know what happens when you pollute. China's like, who the fuck are you to tell us what we can't do? Like I said, there's more people in China that's eating meat than there ever was in the history. I mean, they're lounging over there. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They want to enjoy that. They want to enjoy that little revolution, that that industrial, that whole process that they're going to go through for making millionaires and all these other people that are coming out of poverty or, or are living better lives. Just because the United States has done something and realizes their ways, don't get me wrong, maybe China would do things too. You know, say this with the grandson that that they'll offset you know um, pollution and all the other different things that come with the industrialization of a of a of a country. But at the same time, no, they don't want to be told what they can and can't do. No, like any country wants to be told what they can and can't do. They want to experience it. It's like you being told a certain way, and you're like, hey, well, you know what? And you go out and you go fall on your face or whatever you have to do, and you come back, and then that's your own realization. That's when you, you know, gain some wisdom. But like to be told, that's even worse, especially when you're already a country that hard presses and bullies like everyone around the world in order to either be on the dollar or to back the dollar or to trade with us or just to let us have our fucking military, uh, you know, bases in your country and shit like that. And then for you guys to say, you know, that we can't, can't do something. Now, just that, just that, that premise alone is enough attitude to keep a country to say, fuck you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I just scale that up right there because it's a simple fact that, you know, that's, goes the line. Sometimes I even forget where I'm at. So, so it's just, that's the bottom line. Uh-huh. But so anyways, it's about that time and going into sixth grade. Pull back a little bit. Pull back. Going to sixth grade and skating less and less. I think I might have cut school for the first time in sixth grade. Maybe it was at the late sixth grade, but I know for a fact, junior high, I definitely was cutting classes here and there. What'd you do? I'll go do drugs with friends and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much the premise of it. In sixth grade? No, no, no. Well, I I smoked weed for the first time when, when I was 13 or something. My sister left, um, she left a, a half a joint out for me. And she was like, I'm going to leave this out. And she goes, well, you know, I'll know if you smoke it in the morning. But, you know, because she knew I was like nervous around her friends because my sister was quite a bit older than me. And um, she left out. She goes, you know, if you want to, you know, hit that, no problem. She left the lighter. And that night I was, you know, up late, whatever, myself tonight. And I, st- I fucking burned on it a little bit. And I think that for me, that worked out very well. And I say that for the simple fact that if if if, if an individual is probably going to get involved in anything like that, obviously they want to do it under the circumstances where they feel most comfortable. Um, and peer pressure is a motherfucker. I don't care what anybody says. Peer pressure. How would you define peer pressure? Because I love the the classic version where it's like, um, uh, oh, d- do this, do this drug. No, I do this drug, but what is it actually? To me, it's 
peer pressure is in for this specifically would be the actions as groups or norms that um just other people doing it so it makes you feel like you should be doing it to a certain extent with every like even like wearing clothes or absolutely so i feel like there's an indirect indirect way that it's pressured onto individuals indirect meaning the brands and everything and all that what it's cool to be wearing or not wearing or certain stuff like that and then the direct way which would be people or peers around you that put that pressure on you through all different means from shaming to you know belittling to um, not conforming to being different to maybe even possibly having um, your own mind and thought or being you know individualized in your head that you can you know you have like things you're just your way you don't you're not not going along with everything and like conforming so i think there's a lot of different ways that affects people and everything from the way you look the way you sound the way you smell i mean all those play factors and that's in this in this world this little underworld of like pressure doesn't get necessarily put out there when it's outside the realms of when it's inclusively just like the groups of people that are involved with it it's because when you when teachers come around or parents come around, no one's fucking acting any different. They're not acting like these fucking people are going to be making fun of you because that's not done in front of people like that. That's done in front of other people that can rally in on that shit mm-hmm. or in front of people that they're trying to do that for. Like, you know, oh, yeah, look, you know, you know and, there, and there might be people that may, might not even have a say on it, but they're being involved because they're being presented or shown, you know, a certain aspects or an individual or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's a rough one because I don't think enough parents truly, truly realize how much it affects a child. I mean, we're talking to the effects of unaliving themselves. We're talking about to the effects where they need therapy and help to the effects where they drop out or they don't, or all the other things that are entailed with that. So I'm sure there's a list of them. It's so horrible now. I do not notice. When I was in, when I was in middle school, girls would like come up to me and show me their arms. I don't. And like the self-harm on their arms. Then they would, and they like would get that idea. Um, I think it was like Tumblr and different apps like that. And there was a lot of, um, yeah. And then there were, um, I think there were three people in my high school that killed themselves. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And that's just, you know, and that's that's everywhere. And that's one that really, it's really hard for me for the simple fact of what my wife and me and my family and everyone has gone through with my son. So that's, um, that's a close one to me. And, you know, and I have to say it, I have to say that, you know, everyone that has children... They just need to keep them close. And there's nothing, there's nothing that I feel like any parent who truly loves their child wouldn't do for them or hear and accept to alter any routes that lead to not being here anymore or, you know, like... It doesn't matter if a child is not doing great school or if there's drugs involved or if there's things that they've gone through. You know what? 
the par- parents just need to be open and embracing and just, you know, it's better to at least talk about it and maybe not necessarily agree, but understand that, you know, it's a process and where they're at and their age or what they're going through and not be so abrasive and against it because there was so much that could have been done. There was, I would, you know, I could have, could have, I say could have, should have all this stuff, but if I would have just known or maybe, you know, and, and again, you can't dwell on the, the has, the ifs, the whys, the want, all that stuff because it will drive you crazy. But, you know, just like I know I could have done better, I know I would take his place. So these are just things that, you know, but if you have the opportunity and you're questioning or anything like that, then you sit down and just have a heart-to-heart talk and just listen and be accepting and just really, really do your best because you only get one of, you know, of, of a child. You know, I get you have parents and then you have parents, with, but you know, we all get one of one and you know, don't live, don't, don't have to have any regret. And at the same time, just, you know, if you can confront it and deal with it now and, and open it, you know, who knows where they can all lead and who knows where it alters anything because everything that we do and every choice that we make, it alters everything until we pass. And again, your destiny, you make the decisions, you make the choices that leads you down that road of death or destiny, but fate will always be at the end waiting for you. But you just, it's all about choices and just everything we do every day. How did you, uh, how did you handle it after it happened? What choices did you make? Um, that was a whirlwind of shit. Um, I, what I had experienced and what I saw and went through being there and being present. Um, not, well, you know, there's a lot of different effects that it had. I mean, obviously, um, I wanted to, every time I got in a car, I just, I just would drive into another car, drive off a cliff. Um, nonstop, I could not, I would be yelling and screaming in the car, driving down the street. Just like, you know, like, you know, why or what and this, all, all these things. And I just, people would get so upset. Um, I wanted to put myself in situations where um, I might get hurt. Um, just hoping to see something going popping off or something. I just walk and get in the middle of it. Just get in the middle. Just whatever. Um, I... You know, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, with this going on, I'm, I'm bawling every, every day, constantly, you know, for, for probably two plus weeks, just constantly. You know, I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know how other people get affected with it, but, you know, I, that's my son, you know, I, you know, um, I have a lot of feelings and love and, and it's very, very important to me, just like it's important to my wife. And I could not 100% shut down, I did for a minute. Because I just, I just couldn't, and I know that Carrie and, and saw that, and she was, you know, basically, you know, she, she, you know, stood up and played that part where, you know, she was kind of like the, the rock that needed to be the foundation there for a minute. Um, and I knew that, I, you know, I knew that I needed to, to come back around because, 
you know, like I have said, you know, the world doesn't stop for me. You know, um, I could stop for the world, but it can't stop for me. And, you know, we were running a dispensary and we had business. We worked, you know, 12 hour days, six days a week, you know, so that doesn't stop. And, um, sorry, dog interruption there. And, um, and so, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, um, I'm, I can't, I'm, every time I take a shower, I'm bawling and we stayed at my mom's, uh, for those couple of weeks because it was just too much to deal with anything else. I mean, I remember I was, you know, I, was, I sold everything that had any association with my son. I couldn't have any pictures or anything of him. I couldn't look at anything with this because I, unfortunately what I witnessed and what I dealt with was very traumatizing to the extent I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure what in life is, is, is worse. And, um, I think I'm yet to, and I'm not saying he's, I'm just saying it's, 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 it's huge. And I'm not trying to be, you know, mean, but if there was other situations where I'd switch that, it, like, I, I mean, I get it, people's best friends and all kinds of stuff. And, and there's no value saying that that's not more important, more important at all. But in my opinion, in my eyes, it's your child, it's your child. And I should be going before my child does. And it's my son. And I love my daughter. I love my daughter. I love her to death. But everyone, I mean, and you can call me whatever you want, but I believe that, you know, um, mothers and daughters or fathers and sons, there's relationships there that are different than a mother and son and a daughter and a father. Um, and, you know, I am stripped of all that. And then, of course, the irony in, in everything is my son was 14. And when I was 14, 14 and a half, I lost my father. So I don't believe in coincidences. Well, what was, why did that happen? And there's a lot of questions I asked God. I was very unhappy and I kind of just got, I just kept hearing people over and over saying, you know, well, you know, there was better something greater or your God had a plan. I couldn't, I, I couldn't hear that anymore. I couldn't accept that anymore. God, I don't, doesn't, I don't think there's anything about allowing any of this to happen. But when we talk and we go back to choices, and our life laid out like a giant root on a tree. And all there is is just intersections, intersections, intersections of choices. I know he knows all the routes, every decision that could have been made. It's up to us to make those decisions and those choices. That's why we are human. We have the ability to make choices. So what do you view God's role as? Creator. Of all the roots? Well, I, I say that in the creator of everything, 
in per se that specifically, I'm not necessarily sure, but does he like have a roadmap? Does he look and see everyone's? I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure of it. Just like programming and coding in a game or something, the fog of war is there. And you, you know, you can only see what you can see when you get to that point of where you're at. But like, that's, it's all laid out. But it's, you know, how do we get there? How do we get to the end? And what paths do we go down? That's us. Right. Yeah. And and there might be little breadcrumbs here and there, and there might be little signs here and there and what have you. But again, it goes back to us being able to see, read, feel all those signs to help in one way, shape, or form, maybe guide us or or whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but the the clues are there. There's a lot of things that are right in front of our face, but we just don't see them anymore. We've... A lot of people lost that ability. A lot of people are too caught up with themselves. They're too caught up not knowing themselves. They're too caught up with not experiencing and understanding their subconscious. They're too caught up with not taking more time in understanding or, you know, um, uh, um, having uh, more lucid dreams or just dreaming on a deeper level. Even people's breathing has gotten shallower and shallower and not taking as big. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that our, our, our short attention span, uh, not being grounded with the earth. I mean, we wear shoes on our feet almost our whole lives. And, you know, just think about that. Think about that we've conditioned ourselves so we can't even walk outside stuff without being feeling like we're going to hurt or scratch our feet. We should be like not, we should be grounding ourselves every single day. But we don't. We, we actually literally have a piece of insulation between our feet and the ground that stops us from feeling and grounding and receiving the energy from the earth. Back in the days when we had leather and we were wearing stuff like that, there is, there is some conductivity there with leather. And so they were getting a little bit of it still. But now with synthetic materials and all the crap that we wear on our feet doesn't happen anymore. So... Again, there's a lot of things that have been lost, right? They don't want to talk about alchemy no more. They don't want to accept the fact that, you know, there was ether. They don't want to accept the fact that there was spiritual and, you know, things that were happening on on a level. Who's they? Or how do you characterize? I know what you mean, but how do you characterize they? I'm going to say, when I say they, I just mean... The people that influence the people? Well, it's like, you know, it's... It's like the Bible. The Bible was a bunch of books or um, scrolls and manuscripts, you know, and they were picked and put together to create the Bible. But if we look at, and I forget the name of it, all the other ones that didn't make it in, yeah, there's a lot of them that might not be like the canon, but there's a lot of them that absolutely are. And they were only kept out because of Somebody's choice. God didn't say specifically which one was going to go in there. Because I always say, you know, you know, I get it. One of the issues with, like, you know, say the Bible is that you're taking something and then you're translating it. And then you're taking something and translating it. And when you step on it X amount of times, just like with dope or anything else, it gets diluted, convoluted, misinterpreted, um, biases that are going on in there. Man, I don't care what anybody says. There's nobody that can truly be unbiased about anything. If you feel a certain way about something, you're probably going to be biased about it. That's why judges are fucked up. Judge comes home at night and he wants, and his wife doesn't want to fuck him. 
he's pissed off, you know, he's not feeling, you know what I mean? And the next day he goes in the court, everything, and sees, you know, what if it's some, whatever the case may be, yeah. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, it sounded like a phone. Yep, talking to the mic. <laughs> sounded like it came from the side of your... Even yeah, it wasn't a notification. Was it your phone? I just want to make sure that wasn't the. Okay, shit. What were we talking about? Uh, I don't do any judges. Oh, right. So, gotta keep hitting this damn thing. <laughs> um, he was. Okay. Um, Something wrong? Oh, no, no. What was that? What were, we, what were we at? You were talking about a judge. So, judges, I get that they have to um, look at their character and base things on their, you know, um, what they've done in their past. And That was your phone? Yeah. No. So, um, you mean base things off precedent? Yeah, I mean, it, based it off of experience, like what they what their track record looks like, you know. Wait, let's start over because I'm then oh, okay. it's gonna be rough to cut. So I just pot wait and don't say anything for a second. So with judges, you know, bias that cord runs through everybody, even when we consciously and unconsciously are trying not to let it affect us. You will subconsciously either make gestures or even throw things into what you say or, um, I mean, we can get into the whole concept later when they play, you're, you're asked questions and when someone is recording you and then plays it in reverse, it's been proven that you will, especially when you're lying, you will say a little truth that'll come out when it's played backwards that you can hear and it's something that our subconscious does. We have no control over it. Just like you don't have control over when your subconscious reads, hears, things that are- Breathes, breathes. Yeah, and these are things that you can see and some things you cannot. A subliminal message is being, you know. Mm -hmm. So judges, you know, if, if a judge has a bad night, 
or he finds out that his daughter or his son is, you know, abusing their, you know, or domestic or finds out something happened to his daughter or his wife or he doesn't get sex. It doesn't matter what it is. There could be so many different scenarios, but guess what? He comes to work in the next day or, you know, that morning he's trying, or, or even if he's gotten something that was beneficial, that's way positive for him. And it comes to, uh, or, and when he deals with the different cases, he will have a biased opinion about things. And yes, yes, it's up to you to make the right decisions and not try to let the things affect you to make a decision um, based off of whatever evidence or whatever is put together in order to present or to try to justify or, or prove, but it doesn't matter. Your feelings are involved and it's probably going to have an effect on your decisions or how you think about something or your opinion. We're human. To try to ask some a human to cut that out of the equation, yeah, it might some might be good at it for a little while, you know, you know, but but I do not believe for one second that many decisions that were made in courtrooms were judges that had a biased opinion about something or how they felt about something. Or, do, do you have a life example? Well, I don't really necessarily have a life example. I know that yeah. I went into a court one time and I wasn't, I thought I was there for something else. And when I come to find out that I said something that was in direct um, violation of what I was there actually for, the judge looked at me and was like, kind of like laughing, like, you know, and he, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to hold you contempt of court. And I went to jail that day. Oh God. And I held in contempt of court for just saying by, yeah, basically because like now. the whole thing with a straining order and this individual or whatever. So, I mean, I can't say that that's a super direct, but you know, I've heard stories and there, you know, you go to court or whatever you're traveling, you're like, well, we hope we get Mr. Samuels because you know, you know, he's always cool. It's like that alone, alone in essence is showing you have one judge and another judge and they're not equally, and I get it, they're different individuals, they're not kind of equally, but like if people are already saying about this judge and how lenient, well, why? Is he being lenient because those cases are not that heavy or is he being lenient because he doesn't necessarily really care? I mean, what is it? This is, he just happens to get all the lucky cases where he could be fucking lenient because of some reason this guy over here is like a fucking asshole about it because he gets the best. Nah, it doesn't fucking work that way either, you know? Yeah. So, again, patterns, patterns, and that leads to stereotypes and stereotypes. And just like with other things, look, people want people, people want other people to like them. Mm -hmm. Pe you know, governors and, and, and they want people to like them. So what do you do? You do things that make you likable. Doesn't matter what it is. People on TikTok, maybe they, they want people to look at them. I, I want attention. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. Look, why? Why? What's so fucking important? You know what's important? Being yourself and being happy. What's important is your family. What's important is everyone coming together, eating, 
enjoying each other's company, being creative, just being yourself. And a lot of people can't be that nowadays. They don't know how. They don't want to because they have already a preconceived opinion about themselves that might not go along with everybody. Or they feel they're lacking something. We're all different. We're all special. We all are capable. We all just need to do a little bit better. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's, it's about all of us. It's about, let's all just, you know, if we we're just like ants and we came together, we can move mountains around like chess pieces. And we could change the world. We could change the world. But you can't do it when there's over 100 plus different organizations and they're all getting 2 or 3%. But if we all gave one 100%, just think about that. We're just not doing things right. And we're allowing, you know, TV was like the biggest un unanswered experiment ever done, one of them. And look what, look at everything. People lost touch. People think they're, they, that, that this, these or that owes them. They feel entitled. They feel like everything else doesn't do enough for them. They don't want to make efforts. They have no imagination. They are losing touch with social abilities in wanting to text where there's no tone or inflection. Or three-year-olds stare at their tablets all day. There's no interacting between human beings, so we can look at, look, make eye contact, and look at body language, and and being able to elevate our voice and use tone and, and different types of inflections to describe things and to convey what we want to feel, see, you know, and stuff like that. And we're not, we're not doing that. We're cold, calculating, clinically typing, and making emojis and all this other bullshit. And people misinterpret things because they don't really not un fully know. Oh well, they're my best friend. They know is. I don't really care about all that. Bottom line is, is that there's so many ways that things can be misinterpreted when you text. You can't convey tone over text. No, or inflection. Or inflection. No, or body language. Or mm -hmm. how well, your know. face looks like. Right. And how much easier it is to be slippery and dip and dodge and lie and stuff like that when you're texting. Shit. Yeah. A hundred times. Okay, so when you're texting, you get a text and you read what someone wrote out and then you... Uh, write a response in which you precisely calculate all the little bits of what you want to yep. want to say. And it's not, um, well, that's not as natural as like talking to someone, well, one in person or two, like on the phone. For sure. You have to come up with it on the spot, but then texting, you can yep. just. And sometimes you don't respond fast enough and then some people misinterpret even that. Yeah, like me and you, when I don't respond. The, uh, right. Well, I, that's part of just understanding it. But yeah, no, 100%. And, and, and if you don't do it fast enough, then all of a sudden they're piled on another text. And, that's, and I, I'm already fucking like three or four texts behind. Now, by the time I fucking respond, the other person's like, what are you fucking talking about? I'm like, oh, fuck me. Go scroll up fucking three paragraphs. And it's like, I can't, I can't keep up. I'm not. And then you misspell something or say, and then it's misconstrued. It's a, it's a shit show. Couples should not argue texting.
I mean, I'm not saying anything. I've been in a relationship for 28 years now. Those were our middle school relationships. I'm not going to say Fighting over not, I know back screenshot and <laughs> sending it to other people. What do you think about what's going on here? Oh, no. No. Having smartphones in middle school really screwed us up. That was the kicker. Like, you, you know, like millennials had phones, I suppose, and they could text or they did whatever on the computer. But we had, we had iPhones in our pocket. And so that was the whole package deal. Texting each other, group chats. Right. Cyberbullying was invented. Well, Instagram. Okay. Fifth graders fighting for followers on Instagram. That not legit. It's legit, but it's not legit because it's ridiculous. But I think you make a, a, a good point. That is, that is the case. If we stand back and we look at it from afar, we can see that um, it's, it's nothing but, again, the pattern that goes back every decade. It's like when people had a camera and they were able to take pictures. It was the first recorders that were able to record voices. It was, you know, all, all those were the same situations. Now, they might not scale or they might not be, have as much like impact in regards to how much they're able to entail, like they actually reach out and touch more people or there's more of an effect, but it was a drastic transition from something from something. So when voice recorders came out, fucking think about that. Now all of a sudden people are recording other people or recording conversations or, you know, secretly recording. You can't, deny, can't deny anything. Right. When the camp, when the first video recorder came out, these were all things that are directly relatable to what you just said. They're just at a different time with a different context of a different technology or what have you. Well, with the pictures and the videos, it continues because now when anyone sees anything interesting, they're not looking at it. They're looking right. at their phone. Well, 10 years from now, there's going to be something else that people are going to be like, oh my gosh. And it was because of this, that you said, you know what, what you is know? it? VR? Well, it's either virtual reality where people are going to be in their second lives or third, fourth lives or something, or oh, it my. could be, it could be uh, some pill or drug that they take that puts them into some stupor, some state or something, or it could be uh, up uploading yourself to a computer or something like that. And you know, so I don't know what what that's going to be, but it's going to be something where people are going to sit around and have almost the same discussion and be like, oh my, and that just totally with their. Because it's just, it's no different. That's that repeating pattern with everything. It's the same thing. It's just a different, you know, it's a, it, it, different technologies. There's different inventions or different things that are happening. But at the same time, it's one of these situations where you're going to deal with this. Oh, it's, to, I just really, it's topical. What we're talking about right now, the, the Mark Zuckerberg, this is CEO of Facebook, the CEO of Snapchat, the CEO of X. That was Twitter. Um, or did you see they're all getting questioned in congressional hearings? For for people who have killed themselves because of the experiences that they've had on the uh -oh. island, and being and um and trying to trying to hold them uh, accountable for it. I'm, do you think they are? Or do you think they? Uh, well, I mean, they're guilty in one way or in one way or shape or another. But accountability goes way farther than them themselves. And right. So it's does there need to be a fall guy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure there always has to be because somebody's got to take that blame so that people feel better about something being solved or uh, just cause being put towards 
you know. Uh, or nothing will happen and it'll just drop out of the news cycle and then we'll all forget about it. Well, it's just like the, the grand opening of the of the uh, the the tunnel in Switzerland. I mean, I look at that and I'm horrified, but yet, hey, the world doesn't talk about it. So if I said, oh, yeah, they just had this practically a satanic ritual that just went on on TV and, and some other countries for everyone to watch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Hey, can I watch it? It's like, again, it's the closer we get, the mockery becomes even more and more profound. And yet people just don't fucking talk about it. They don't look at it. And that has to do a lot with gatekeepers. Look, they're, they're really, really, really good at only allowing us to know and see what we see and hear what we hear. They're, they're really fucking good. They're experts. That's what they do. They are good at the indoctrination. They know exactly how many generations. They know exactly what needs to be done in order to keep people in check. You mean those who manufacture the algorithm? Or each of our oh, a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of different people. It's spread out all over, but yeah, yeah, basically, yes. That's just reality. Like Democrats and Republicans are different shit. They all play on the, it's all on the same team. But look, just like with everything, okay, just like with everything, you cannot have a utopia, a utopian, or a dystopian uh topian dystopian yeah dystopian yeah. um world it doesn't work i've talked about balance but it's all about balance you it's it's never going to be there's going to be both now what percentage uh, that's to be t determined 70 30 you know 60 40 50 50 i don't know whatever it is you know what i mean of good and bad but regardless you have to have the one with the other. That's the way we're going to coexist. That's the way it's going to work. Like a perfect relationship with, 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 with somebody, a significant other, is one that has problems, knows the problems. And can effectively resolve them. Or be working on them consciously and make effort to do so. Or agree to disagree. Either or. But all on the same page. Mm -hmm. And knowing what they know and not deceiving or not not believing or denying or not taking any accountability. Compromise, communication, trust, loyalty, respect. That's what's going to dictate a good relationship. Was that how it was right off the bat or did you have to learn? I had to fucking learn. Yeah. I ate a lot of crow. I fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, and I hate when I have to sit here and say that my wife, you know, got hurt along the way. And, and it, you know, just like with a lot of things in life, right? You, you, when you gain wisdom, you know, you, you go back and you, Think you're doing something right or you think you're doing something even if you're doing something wrong and you do it and you either you know succeed or fail if it's like something a business venture whatever the case may be and if it fails or succeeded if, and to be able to look back and see what you did right did wrong be able to reflect understand take responsibility and then move forward and do 
things differently because you learn or, you know, whatever, what have you. Well, that's when that wisdom comes in and it takes the individual to, to also to implement and do that. Cause if you don't, then really what happened was for not. Okay. Cause you're not learning from it. You're not doing anything about it. If you literally understand it and you, and you know it and you still turn around and do it, that's fucking you're f- more fucked up because you're consciously doing it. But sometimes, and I say maybe more, a lot more like a lot of times through that, right. Can you get, you get better or you learn or you um, work on things and you change things in your life. The fucked up part is that there's collateral damage in there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So for maybe this individual had to be hurt or got hurt and was hurt and still is hurt. But, you, but, but this other individual learned. That's fucked up. I don't like that. And I know that my wife had to you know, take a lot to get where I'm at. And I owe her for that. But at the same time, I, I hope I'm being a better person now than I was then. And trying to be a better person moving forward makes me feel better because I'm, I'm not giving in or at the same time, I'm trying to just be more of who I am. I naturally who I want to be and not let my ego or like pride always be getting in the way. Cause you know, for a guy, these are like big obstacles that are just constantly in the way for, for, for them, you know? Because they feel like, oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not allowed to you know, cry or have feelings, or I can't show this, or you know, you got to be, you know, hard this or that, or you got to like not be, you know, either I don't know, you know, cook or you know, be able to just do anything outside the realm of what society feels is not masculine or masculine. Period. Look, there's no roles that my wife and me play. But if I'm doing laundry other than, and she picks up and does things on the other side, then that's just what it is. I don't expect her to go out and do an all chairs on the car and everything. But if she was like, you know what? I'd like to and I want her by all means. I'm gonna, I'll go out there and show her. But there's no nece- necessarily roles. It's where we pick up each, we pick up as a team or what we're asked to do or, you know, and, and, and that's how it's dealt with. There's, there's no, you know, oh, so I'm not going to do that. I mean... Look, you know, if I have to change my you know, the kid's diaper, or if it has to do something with helping or pick out for what that's she's my wife. That's what we're gonna do. How long have you been together? Twenty eight years. Mm-hmm. And separated maybe twice, and both of those times I don't think it was. Were you nineteen? Uh, eighteen or eighteen or nineteen? Yeah, mm-hmm. eighteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you spent your whole twenties together. Yeah. Um, What'd you do in those years? Did you go to college? Um, no, I mean at those years I did not. Yeah. Um, I I went to seven different high schools, and I, don't, I think maybe only three of them were actual high schools. The rest, I think, were <laughs> continuation schools or like um, or what else was home like not, not homeschooling, but you only go to school for like maybe one or two days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like these homework packets and shit. You know what I mean? Um, kicked out of most of those schools. I think I had maybe 40 credits. I don't know exactly how many you're supposed to get when you graduate from high school, but, but I had about 40. Um, I started ditching school in 
junior high for sure, but high school, I didn't really, really go that much at all. I would just take the bus, school or whatever at that time, because of the time I'd just go to my friend's house or something. I mean, I went to like Ganesha and Dinebar High and Park West and Glendora and, oh God, Del El Paso or whatever it was called. I mean, I went to uh, Eureka High School and up north. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, never graduated and, um, did drugs when I was younger and just got caught up. You know, I, I made that transition right from there and I was ditching a lot. And then I got, was hanging out with this group of people. And then that's when I got caught up in, um, being introduced into, uh, you know, uh, credit card and check fraud at an early age. Oh. I was about to ask, what's the wildest thing you've done? Well, I'm not that I've done that the wildest or that you've thing witnessed. that I've done. Oh, what I've witnessed? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a story about a warehouse where it was witnessed something super creepy and super crazy. But I'll, I'll, so I, I got caught up running with a crew of individuals that were doing credit card and check scams. How'd you go about that? Well, it was a lot easier back then. I could tell you that right now. Hmm. Um, it was basically the whole, the whole. Well, let's check. Let's start with check fraud for the younger. Well, that's when you would go and obtain check. Hopefully, you were able to get business checks, right? That was the goal. But you would get X amount, you know, as many as you probably could get, but you get these checks. And then we would write them out, and we'd have people who would be like donors for their accounts. We'd write these amounts out, we'd deposit it in their account, and then we'd have them go there and uh, withdraw the money. Most likely, they were going to get asked about it or what have you, but... Either it was like maybe they said their bank card was stolen, they would go around, you know, and again, you know, just any way that you would do it so that it didn't have to come back on them to a certain point, they could deny it. Or, you know, a lot of times back then it was all about just um, they would reimburse, they would fix the problems because they, they thought you were the, you know, the um, victim. But we'd pay people to use their accounts and we'd pay people to go out and get checks and, you know, and that's that's kind of what we were doing on that front. Uh, we were reprogramming phones. I mean, the StarTex, the Motorola StarTex and stuff, it was all done with um, just putting in sequences and stuff. And you'd be able to be on people's accounts for X amount of time. And when they fucking, you know, died off, you just, you know, got a new one, you know. Um, and it was good money. Really good money. I mean, I carried around some big old fat brick laptop that was like a briefcase. And um, I had... There was probably about like 10 or 11 of us that were actually doing the work. From that point on, there was other people that were paid to do secondary jobs that weren't part of the core group that were, you know, going out there and, you know, obtaining people, you know, to come in and that they would go to that person to the next person or whatever it was. And, um, you know, and there was really nothing beyond that. If it was, it was just someone saying, oh, I know somebody, whatever, and then they would go out and find somebody, whatever, you know, and something like that. And this individual that I that was kind of running the show, his he had family that were part of, um, I don't know if it was Miami or whatever, it was, it was Mexican mm. mafia type of stuff, you know? Um, this was the individual I was telling you about that when we went out to, yeah? What age are you at? Hmm... 15, 16, something okay. right in there. Mid-high school era? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to school. I'm doing this. Not coming home and stuff, you know, like 
Uh, a lot of parents didn't really care. I didn't have a father, so you know, I mean, it was just, I did have a stepfather, but I didn't really care about him, and I didn't have a relationship with him at all, you know. And, you, and my mom was a kind of like, they were part, they, my mom was a partier too, you know what I mean? Like they would go out on the weekends and they might be, you know, whatever. So um, I, we're doing this, I'm learning the, I'm, I'm learning the whole thing. I, um, I brought in with these two individuals and um, lucky for me that the individual that I was friends with, I mean, don't get me wrong, they call themselves cousins and everything and maybe there was some marriage somewhere over there, where they, but they were not like blood, you know, but you know, um, uh, the person that was running the show had, you know, looked out for this individual, you know, so like under the wing, you know what I mean? And, and that was my, that was my homeboy, you know, he was, he was my homeboy junior. And so there was benefits that came from that, obviously. Um, but I, I was the one that did a lot of like the inputting on this computer. Um, I'll be, I'm going to be, I was a nerd, I'm a nerd at heart. You know what I mean? Um, I've I've always been into electronics and shit like this. And again, this was this was back when I think this was a big old giant brick. I don't know. I mean, I don't even remember when the first Macintosh like computer came out. But I remember telling my stepdad about the future, like that that the computers was going to be the future. You know, back when my my friend up the street had a the Commodore sixty four, whatever it was, and and he just didn't believe me and I asked him I wanted to get one for Christmas whatever and he was just like you know like yeah no that's not gonna happen I'm not spending three thousand dollars on this and that and you know it what is it uh I'm sure you know the first thing after the next year or the next two he went and bought he got one you know at Macintosh SCI I think of what it, what it was and um anyways so um, this was like very basic it was just like you flipped up and it was almost like I'm not glorified typewriter but there was a, there was a screen but it was very basic. It wasn't that that that, that crazy, but it, it was a way to have people's um, to have it up so that you know he wouldn't get. It was all one place, and he just was like, "You're gonna you know, destroy that thing if we, you know, whatever." You know what I mean? Just like if you had to. And um, and everything went well for a minute, you know. Um, but you know, just like when you have a bunch of guys running and everything, and people jockeying and things going down and. You know, then of course, you know, we're going out and it's a lot of cocaine and a lot of speed and a lot of weed and a lot of, you know, alcohol and, you know, a lot of girls and hotels and different cars and stuff because not only that, but he had family that owned a car dealership, you know? So we were mobbing fucking cars all the time. Not new cars, we just used car dealership, but I mean, there was still a lot of cars, uh, mm -hmm. Mustangs and fucking IROCs and shit, you know what I mean? It's just like, and it was either me or Junior driving and... You know, we're probably getting into like 17, maybe around like like 17, you know? Uh, and it wasn't that long. It's not like I was doing this for years and years and years because this all came, this was all very fast and right in between before I met my wife when I was like like 18 or 19, right? So just, you know, we're doing, we're doing it and we're always going out to eat, always going to places, always like had money, but never, you never saved money. And I never really like, like things were going so so much so fast all over the place that I didn't even have a place to keep my clothes. So I would just buy these outfits or whatever, and we'd go you know buy and you know what I mean. And I'd go stay over at bucks here or there, whatever it may be, and just change clothes and wear something else. And I don't even know where the clothes like went. I mean, try to keep it over here at this friend's and this wherever. 
I just end up buying clothes after clothes after clothes. You know what I mean? That's what it was. It was just always just like, you know what I mean? If I, you know, we would change up. She's like, oh, let me, you know, I would wear these shoes, this and that. We'd buy new shoes and it was just constant. It's like I always had a little bit of money, but if someone needed it or if like, you know, the you know, person running or whatever, this, you just, you know, it was just constant, right? It's almost like you didn't want to say you had money in your pocket because that's the only way you were going to keep money in your pocket. But um, yeah, so I mean, and then, you know, there's bands involved and, you know, and then people were getting a little paranoid here and there because, you know, drugs and shit. And, you know, uh, we had this this hood rat come around, whatever. And, you know, yeah, because things are flossing a little bit. So, you know, girls wanted to be part of the whole situation and everything. And I remember, um, so, you know, I had an individual, there was an individual that wanted to get involved. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I see, you know, yeah, what, I want, what's up with that and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, I told him, you know, and he's like, nah, man. He's like, I want to, you know, get all up in there. I want to, you know. And I was like, mm. I was like, well, listen, is look at, I'll, 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 I'll put in a word. I'll see what's up. But you gotta just, you gotta just, you know, you know, you gotta understand. You know, you, you're not running shit. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know what I mean? And he's like, no, no. So, anyways, long story short, I, I vouch for this guy and. um he comes on board and, you know, everything's going, you know. And yeah. I don't know, we're like five or maybe four or five months into the situation. And uh, I kind of find out some word or whatever that this individual is, is kind of starting to try to do his own thing. And he's not listening. And I'm like, fuck. And how this works, I don't give a fuck how you chop it up. I'm responsible for that action. Yeah. And so one day I'm just like, I get to work and it's just like, you know, um, you need to go have, you know, so-and-so get him over to this location. And I'm like, fuck. All right. I kind of already knew what was happening, you know? And, you know, you know, this, you, you know, part of that whole mentality, part of the whole thing, like, you know, you just, you do what you got to do. You do what you need to do. And so of course I had to, you know, whatever line this and that to get this individual to come over to this room and, I get him to go over there and, you know, we pop the door open and then it's just grab and, you know, and sit around the fucking mouth and shit and sat in the chair and just get all tied up and then it's, it's fucking, you know, pistol whipping goes on and, you know, and I'm watching this individual basically fucking bapped over the fucking head and face and everything and I'm just like, man, you know, like, like why? Why the fuck would you do something stupid like that when I fucking told you, I told you. You couldn't just sit the fuck back. You shouldn't, you know, it's like you should never came on board. Because why the fuck are you going to do that? And then you're going to go pull some shit like that. What did you think was going to happen? Like, really, though? Did you think that these individuals are just going to ease off and just fucking let you do that? You know how it works. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And then, of course, everyone's looking at me like, you know, you got to get over here and put some licks in on this shit. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking doing that. And they were like, you know, looking at me like, yeah, you're not going to do this. I was like, no, fuck no, I'm not going to do that. I got him here. That's my part. And, and I know they didn't like that, but I didn't really give a fuck. And, you know, and after they're done, they're kicking him out of the fucking, you know, and they're telling, you know, you're not going to say shit, nothing about none of this. And of course he's looking at me like, you know, saying, say, you know, just looking at me. It was, it was when he walked down, he started walking away, he turned around and he said something like, you know, like, like what, you know, fuck, why'd you do this? What were you fucking, you know, like saying some shit to me or whatever. And, and I wasn't really hearing it. I felt bad, but I was like, you know what? You made that bet, homie. 
you fucking did that. I didn't do shit. All you did was shit on fucking, you know, my face with allowing you to fucking be part of this and you make me look like a fucking idiot. You know, you, you disrespect me. Now, now, now I look at the whole thing. It's like, you know what? None of it. I shouldn't have been part of none of it. But, you know, I, I played the blame game then too. You know what I mean? I put a lot of that and I don't do that anymore because I don't believe in blaming. But when did that switch happen? What? The blaming? Mm, the the blaming, the, the being more oh, conscientious, the being having more uh, self responsibility over yourself. Five years ago, six years ago, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, and I'm 48, so yeah, it took a long time. There's a lot of things that took a long time. And it wasn't for my wife. Probably take even longer. How did she change your life? Well, okay, she she changed my life in the very beginning, but I still did not treat her right. Mm. And she stuck by me, even when I went to jail that couple times, um, even, you know, from infidelity. And my kids, like, not just being into me and not just being a good father, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm probably extra hard on myself and I'm saying that, you know, it wasn't... I didn't like like you know, do any like abuse to my kids, you know. Um, I might have been a little rough in regards to expectations and certain things, but I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't, you know, I don't blame anybody. At the same time, I I I I should have made better decisions. There's a lot of things that I should have done different. Um, but you know, should have, could have, would have. I can't sit there and dwell on that neither because I am who I am today because of the accumulation of everything up to this point. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not happy with who I am today, well, that's, that was me. I, I did that. No one, no one really forces anyone to do really anything unless there's someone holding a gun to your head or a gun to your family or something like that. You're your decisions. You're to blame. If anything, now if I put blame on anything, it's my, myself for what I should have, shouldn't have done or how I should have acted, or any of those things. But just like with anything, I can only control what I can control and everything else is not in my hands, but at the same time, what's done is done. I cannot change the past, nor can anyone. And I am a grudge-holding motherfucker, you know what I mean? And I, not only that, but I carry a lot, a lot of weight on my back and then, then fucking something goes off and I just explode. And I don't like that either. I'll accept that I have definitely have short, sh shortcomings and I definitely have things and issues and I'll accept that I definitely want to work on them and I do work on them and I do address them and I do make effort and that's what I can do. And if I'm able to do that, then I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the right direction as a human being. If I know about things and I still don't do them, I still don't make change, then I'm a fucked up individual. Because you're consciously doing something you know you probably shouldn't be doing. And I always told my kids, I just want you to be good human beings. Good human beings. Right from wrong. Empathy, sympathy, understanding, listening. You know, you don't need to brag. Be humble. You don't need to overtalk. You don't have to give your opinion. You, you, you just balance yourself 
so that you can be a good listener or you can be a good talker, uh, a person who sees the situation and doesn't judge and is able to accept, understand, and just be balanced, right? Be balanced. Look, we're all made up of probably hundreds of different metrics of different things from jealousy and, you know, and, and, and greed and, and, um, elation and happy and excited and right. And there's all these different levels and it's just like a, it's just like an equalizer. Some are, you know, maybe high up in the seventies or something. Some are really low, but everyone's is different. And if we could get to where it's all balanced, that would be awesome. But all we can do is make a little adjustment and try to get that balanced. And that's, that's all we can really do. And if we can accept that we have all these different facets and we just have to work on a little bit here and there, well, that's great. That's absolutely wonderful because that means that people make progress in the right direction. Now, those can all go down. Some of them would definitely go down. But the only ones that need to go down are the maybe the ones that are just a little either too much of also because you can't be overly something constantly because everything needs to be done in in excess so everything needs to be balanced you don't do too much or sometimes even too too little you do just enough now I'm not saying that you should you should go uh, above and beyond and I'm not saying that all I'm saying is that there's some things that probably people need to dial back. And there's other things that people need to dial up, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. So like, right? People who, um, you know, go to bed late or whatever, you know, and, and I'm not trying to judge people go, because I do a lot of creative stuff at night and stuff, but I'm just using that example because it's always like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, you got to go to bed early because the early bird gets to run around there. Yeah. You know, I get it. I get it. But just because someone's doing that doesn't mean anything crazy bad. Maybe their whole, everything that their world revolves around that, maybe their art, maybe their creativity, maybe their job, who knows? I don't know. But that's something that we can't just, but, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is no matter what, as long as you were able to look at and understand yourself, and, th and that's why I talk about having a relationship with yourself, right? A relationship with yourself is somebody who can drive out in the middle of nowhere, get out of the car, just go sit down, and just sit there for hours on end. They don't need any stimulation. They don't need to be talking to somebody or constantly fidgeting with something. They could just sit there because they are okay with themselves. There's nothing that needs to happen that needs to disrupt anything from the simple fact of just being at peace. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, if a person can't do that, well, why? What is bothering them so much? What is so impending? What is, is needed so that what you're being heard, acknowledged, you know, like, what is it? Because I get that we need people around us. We be and we need family and friends and all that. I'm not, there's no questioning that. What I'm questioning is, is why can't a motherfucker sit still for 20, 30 minutes and not do shit?
because of their attention span? I don't know. I don't really know very many people that cannot sit still. Look, we have fidgeting things. Why the fuck do you need that? The fidget toys. Why? And if someone tells me, oh, it's because they cope. Why are they coping with something? See, we're way stronger than that. We have too much potential. But if I tell you that you're not special, and I tell you that you maybe don't have potential, or I'm not constantly promoting it, or I'm not constantly being a cheerleader for that, or anything, then what are you going to think? Right? If I told you that your immune system is undefeatable, and every single day I told you you can overcome and conquer any, you're not going to get sick. You could, I mean, do you think do you think in any way, shape, or form that has any effect on your ego or your personality or your confidence? What if someone every single day got up and said, "You're a piece of fucking shit. Why are you existing?" Someone said that to you every single fucking day. Do you think you'd have the mental fortitude to brush that off every day and act like you didn't fucking hear that? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I've done a rice test. My wife and I... What is a rice test again? Um, well, I'm not going to go crazy into the individual and the whole thing about water and everything, but basically, basically it was, we had um, X amount of jars that were, um, what do they call it? Uh, when you get all the bacteria and everything off of them and everything and you get them all. Disinfected? Yeah, we were disinfected and um, we took rice and we put the same amount in each jar. We added the X amount, a little tiny bit of water. And we shut them all. And there was one jar that would be uh, complimented every day and told all, a bunch of good stuff too. Uh, there was one that we, and we would pull these off to the side and take them in the other room. One that we would talk shit to and call out, just belittle and just, you know, say you're worthless and what have you. There's one that we didn't do anything to. And then there was one that, we put, I put in a pyramid in a metal pyramid. And I mean metal pyramid as it was just small round bar that was made into a four-sided pyramid. So, and we did that for, I don't know, it was probably a little over a month or something. And what was interesting about that is that the jar that we talked the most crap to that mold inside that jar was a pretty dark color. I mean, it wasn't super dark, but it was definitely a dark color, like a brownish grayish black or something. The jar that we talked positive to was a slight, uh, uh, slight yellow, slightly, not much, but it was, you know, mold was starting. Um, the one that we didn't do anything to was, was kind of, was yellow, definitely yellow. And the one under the pyramid hardly showed any signs of any mold growth. Like, like still almost white. I was fucking blown away. I was just amazed that 
and, and, and I get that the talking, you know, the speaking, you know, because I think what, what you're doing is you're affecting essentially the water, right? Because it, the whole thing with, with that is that water holds memory and water remembers. And you can freeze water after you've conditioned that water through um, sound or music or what have you. And it, when it freezes, it develops beautiful ice crystals, you know. Water that is exposed to toxic negative or, you know, um, stuff that's just not harmful, like, you know, very erratic and all kinds of stuff. You're going to get water that grows crystals that are all weird and blobby and are not pretty. They're just not. They're not structured the same. And so something affected that on a level in which when those crystals were being made and ice was, the water was freezing into ice and growing out in, in, in its crystalline you know, structure, it changed it. So if water remembers what it was exposed to and it goes about it in that way, well, again, the water inside those, that little tiny moisture in there was to me is what affected the growth or non-growth of that rice, the mold on the rice. Now, and there's all kinds of stuff, even a lot of, of, of scientific research that was done, especially by the Russians in regards to pyramids and people being under pyramids and plants and all kinds of things and prisoners being taken in. And, and, and this one individual that was perfecting like what would be the most ideal like pitch, you know, angle and everything in order to absorb this, the, this energy. And it doesn't really matter because pyramids, bottom line, if there's one thing too that's consistent with most of the different ancient structures or uh, different um, civilizations in the past, is fuck, they're pyramids for fuck's sakes. I mean, you're talking about Mayans, you're talking about Incas, you're talking about, you know, Egyptians, you're talking about, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot just like, you know, dragons and, or serpent gods and, you know, you know, beings that came from the stars or up to the skies come down. I mean, these are, these are consistence across the board that run congruent with like many different ancient, um, his, you know, history and theories and, or, uh, backstories or origin stories, you know, of these different civilizations. That's consistent. So if there's one thing you can put together there, it's definitely that. And these are at different times Right. So, you know, there could be uh, a thousand plus years between all these two. And yet somehow or another, we're staying consistent with some of these things, which again, patterns, 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 you know, if you can't put these or you can't see it, then I don't know what to say, but it's not really hard to connect these dots, but it's hard to connect dots when you're told one thing to believe a certain thing. And how do you go against something when that's what you're told is correct? We, everything on this world is based off of what some individuals or what people say who are so-called experts say, and everyone else believes them because you're not a fucking world full of experts, right? Like I use the example, if you put some crazy math equation up on the board, no one can figure that out because no one's, and you only got X amount of people. Well, you believe those X amount of people because why? They're, they're the supposed experts. Well, I mean, it's like, really, how do you prove? Yeah, people say, oh, you're, you're fucking dumb. There's a, look, there's no absolute. That's been, there's a lot of things that, again, we start learning and we, they think that 
nothing but history is nothing but a constant progression of inventions and um, of, 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 of being civilized and becoming more and more less barbarian or whatever. Fuck, man, you know how many times that we've had to come up out of the ashes over and over again? We've had to reinvent all kinds of stuff. It's not that progression. It's up and down. It's all over the fucking place. We lost the Library of Alexandria. That was that was a hard hit to human humankind. Period. Mm-hmm. That alone. Not not to say every fucking thing else that was going along. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things, but you know, and that's the problem with history. The problem with history is that it's his story. It's only written by the winners, and the losers get put off to the side, and they're erased from those from the books. No one talks about it. You don't talk about third place, fourth place, all that bullshit, whatever. You know, either you got first, either you won or you didn't. That's it. The winners get to put their fucking writing in the books. They get their pictures. They get the parades. They get the, you know, the, the accolades or the fucking, the medals. They get to be brought up over and over again in history, over and over with people saying their their fucking names out their mouths. Not not the people that lost. They don't get a say. Even if they're right, or even if they really won, or even if the winners won, but they weren't good winners. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. So we can throw every other conspiracy, or we can throw every other uh, what we think they might have went through this now, because you're never, you're never going to know. Because no one's going to talk about it. And talking about things like the ba- other side of it is looked at as taboo because it's like, what are you, some fucking sympathizer or some person that, you know, you, you're trying to defend? It? Oh, look, it, you don't repeat history if you don't acknowledge or don't remember history. History needs to be at the forefront and I mean all the things that have happened or the mistakes or whatever it may be so that we can look at them and reflect and not make that same decision, that make that same, you know, do that again, not repeat itself. Taking down statues. Yeah, there's a lot of things that offend people. There's a lot of things that represent different things. But guess what? It's there so that you're stimming, so that it, it is a factor, so that when you're around it, you know that it does affect you because it affects you because it was wrong or whatever it may be. That's, to me, healthy. That You need to feel that. That promotes the motivation to all kinds of different things. If you don't see it and you don't acknowledge it, then it just goes by the wayside. That's why there's that saying. You know, sayings just don't fucking get pulled out of people's asses and they're just put up on the board like, that's going to be our saying. No, they say you, you know, you are reminded of those things of history so that you don't repeat it because there's a reason you don't repeat it. You don't repeat it because you're acknowledging it. You're accepting it. You know what happened. It was wrong. You're not going to do it again, but it's there as a fucking reminder. That's it. Don't go over there and hump it. Don't go over there and be hanging around it every single fucking day until it bothers you to the point where you have to make a big old stink about it. Why? But if you need to go there and reflect and be like, fuck, man, why the fuck? Or why the... To me, that's more motivation. That's more of a, of a force than having something like a statue torn down. What does that accomplish anyways? Like really, does that really fill that gap in you? That is that is that really what makes you feel whole? 
and to be affected by that like that? Oh, well, and, and I get it. There's all these different people talk about, it. but you know what? If we look at history, how many people and how people, people treated other people and how things went down, it's just over and over and over and over and over and over. That's part of the flaw of being human. That is part of it. Because we should all be helping everybody. We shouldn't be jogging over land. We shouldn't be sitting Why even let all those things? Why don't they be proponent? Why don't they go up higher up so that the trickle down of everything that could be positive could be better instead of just trying to fuck with shit down here at the bottom where it makes them feel good? Solves that little maybe uh, hypothetically or, or emptily feels these little tight situations. Who's them? Anybody that has or makes big stinks about little things like this that doesn't ne necessarily have a, a, a great impact on the world as a whole. It affects these little pockets, whatever, that make these little pockets feel better. Look, again, you want to solve why aren't we doing anything and everything to make uh, the homeless situation better in the United States or, or feeding people who are, or, or, um, you know, starving here. You want to go and feed people in other countries. I'm just saying like, I mean, that's like, let's scale it down. That's like saying, you know, it's getting a little ridiculous. It, it's, it's getting a little ridiculous. Not, well, not only ridiculous, but like, listen, if you all want to put a penny or put a quarter towards something, if we all put it towards the same thing, then I think it would probably have a greater impact. I'm a firm believer that nature has sh shows us in a lot of different ways, ways that are, make sense. When you have individuals work together, they work together, the huge things can be accomplished. When they were building a tower to, to Babel, now, I'm only using an example just because of, of, of shows the, I don't know, camaraderie or the shows the, uh, the unification of human beings in regards to what they could achieve. You know, everyone was on the same page. Everyone was for the same cause. And I know, you know, cause might not be right. But that coming together is super powerful, so powerful. When you see all these ants that need to cross the river and some of these other ants just sacrifice their bodies to latch to interweave this web so that the rest of the ants can climb on top and use the surface tension, but yet these other ants are like face down in this shit the whole way. Yeah, they did it because of the greater whole of the colony. That's mm -hmm. the sacrifice that they made. Because it's not about them. It's about everyone. And I'm not saying it needs to be that fucking extreme. But what I'm saying is, it's like, look what just got accomplished. The whole fucking colony went to the other side of the fucking river. Not very many other insects can do that. I mean, obviously you could fly, whatever, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they did it. They knew what they needed to do and they did it. When they need to climb up and extend out, some of them become bridges and shit like that. That's an organism working as a whole is able to achieve so much more because of the adaptability for the how diverse it can be, how they can overcome and accomplish because of the efforts of everyone as a whole.
that right there is the easiest like premise for me to wrap my head around and yet the hardest for people to understand because you know we're all individuals right you know all individuals and that's taking way too far you can be an individual all day long still do something for the greater good of everybody else there's no one's saying that but damn if we can't get past all these bullshit things and that's and that's these things that stifle us, these things that keep us back. That's all, that, that was all part of getting us not necessarily work together. You know, you can keep something longer and less effort if everything is scattered and disarrayed and confusion and distraction. It buys you time. And just like everything else, you know, we got sports and all these good things that keep us entertained. Because if I keep the distraction off of other things, then I have more ability to flex and be able to make decisions and change things and go about and make moves without being seen because no one's really paying attention. No one's paying attention. They're caught up watching doing, living, eating, everything else that I put in front of them. So, and what I'm getting with that is that it's like with, 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 with anything. If our government or anybody else, you know, wants to do things and they just don't want constantly nosy nellies and everyone else getting in the biz or to the, you know what? You just distract everybody. It's the easiest thing to do. And then not only distraction, you, you, you keep the herd at a temperament and at a level in which is manageable so that you have a good beat on everything and you can adjust and make, you know, things accordingly so that everything stays in this nice complacent little pool and water stays nice and glass and clear because you don't want ripples. You know, you can have certain influences here and there and, you know, because you want to make it look good. You know, you, you gotta, you know, you got to make the, you got to make the oatmeal taste good. You know what I mean? It's to a certain point, you know, because you want people to keep eating, spoon feeding them, mm -hmm. but you don't want people that are going to stand up and fucking disrupt everything. You don't want people that like, motivate. You don't want martyrs. You do not want people. And you don't want to keep, you want to keep religion in check also. Because if there's anything the government's scared of is when a motherfucker will just give his life for a cause. That's scary, right? Motherfucker, a woman, I, I like, like some old, you know, woman or something like in her 60s or something, you know, it just loves, you know, life and is always because, but, you know, the minute you do something or affects her, their, that religion or something to that extent, whatever, they pick up a pan and they're willing to fucking beat, it, beat over the head or get down. What motivates that person? What, what compels them? to exert that energy and to, and to just change everything up like that and everything because they believe they have faith in something, they have hope in something that, they, you know, they, that's huge. That's a powerful, powerful thing to wield on somebody. And when you're, people are willing to just go throw themselves in front and, you know what I mean? Like, like what the Japanese did or something. That's, that, I mean, it's crazy because the government has a hard time convincing people to try to be that way. But religion... It's got that locked down. 
because that's what people are willing to do. That's what they're willing to sacrifice for their beliefs. So belief is a huge thing. Hope is a huge thing. Those are things that, you know, to a certain point, place that they're trying to control, they, they don't want to have that. If they do, they want it in their favor, but they don't want that because that's a dangerous thing. That's a powerful thing. You can control a lot of people like that. All the Muslims that pray at those times of day, that's a power, powerful thing. How is that energy harnessed? Well, going to a concert, listening to music and feeling that through your body and raising out and doing all that great stuff. And how about, that's powerful too. You are giving energy anytime. I, I mean, we can probably continue down this path for quite a while. I know I can just, I know I can't. I know I'm kind of, but it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. And when people are experts and they learn how to wield, manipulate, extract, that's a scary thing. Yeah. yeah. On that note, I think we'll cut this as part one. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. We'll cut it. It's been good. Hope everyone enjoys. Be good to each other. And bless all of you. We're special. All right. All right.